Many of you have asked for it, and so I spent some of my paternity leave creating it, an introductory stoicism course. The best part? I've launched it using Gumroad's pay-what-you-want model. So if you want to pay $0, you can get the course for free. That's right, free. Learn more and enroll in the course by going to understandingstoicism.com. That's understandingstoicism.com. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Precoptan, I am officially back. I'm married, and here's another piece of news. I have a baby on the way. Whee! He or she is due to arrive in April, and Ross and I are pleased as punch. Whatever that saying means. Hopefully it means very pleased. Also, a few thank yous. Thank you to you for putting our Discord community over 1,000 members. That is awesome. That happened just this past week. Thank you for keeping us at the top of the philosophy charts for 18 months now. Thank you for tolerating the somewhat less than perfect audio of the last two months. I know many probably didn't notice it, but to those who did, sometimes outsourcing this particular task becomes necessary for me because I have too many things going on, like getting married or preparing for a new family, or as it happens, getting our book published. That's right, baby. The book has been picked up by a real-life publisher, and you're going to be able to get it in bookstores and online as well. Contracts are signed, things are in motion, and while there is still a little bit of a waiting process because publishers set release dates and not authors, Kai and I are absolutely pumped to get this out into the world. We worked very hard on it, and we know that you will love it, so more information on that to come. And let's see, what else? Um, oh, Australian listeners, listen up. As it turns out, Sydney is the city with the greatest number of listeners of this show. That means in no other single city in the whole world are there more listeners to this podcast than there are in Sydney, Australia. Because of this, we are planning to kick off something in Sydney this upcoming year. Now, I cannot tell you exactly what that is yet because it's still taking form. But if you would kindly go to stoicismpod.com forward slash Sydney. Now, this is specifically only for people who live in Australia or people who would be willing to travel to Australia. 
go to stoicismpod.com forward slash Sydney and add your name to the list that's there. You will get more information as things get more fleshed out. Okay, so there is more that I have to tell you, but I'm only going to tell you one more thing because I want to get to the episode. Some of you are like, oh my God, please stop talking and get to this episode. And this is an issue of some great importance, and I cannot, for contractual reasons, be incredibly transparent about it, but there has never been a time where it has been more important for you as a listener to step up and support this show with your cold, hard cash if you have any extra. The ad-free version of this show costs just $2 a month, and you can subscribe to it by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash members, and I hope you will. If you're already a paying subscriber to this podcast and you'd like to support us further, which I would greatly appreciate, you can check out my new project, everydaystoicism.com, which is a long-form writing project, a couple of essays a month, and something of a, let's say, more practice-focused community that I'm trying to build there. Again, now more than ever, and not just because I have a baby on the way, but for other reasons that I cannot talk about publicly, it is incredibly important that if you are not supporting this show with your hard-earned money and you're able to, now is really the time to do that. And I will leave all the preamble for this show at that, and I will get into today's episode. And that episode happens to feature Meditation 17 from Book 5, which reads as follows. To seek what is impossible is madness, and it is impossible that the bad should not do something of this kind. I have been attempting to articulate something on, of all places, LinkedIn for the past few months. I don't know if I'll be able to articulate it well here, but I'm going to try. I see a lot of marketing mumbo-jumbo from gurus and experts on LinkedIn, and as someone who has been in marketing for a number of years, necessarily as an entrepreneur and content creator, I understand the aim of such content, and when those aims are, from the stoic perspective, just and also transparent, I I take no issue with it. But what I see most often is this sort of mad scramble among quasi-thought leaders to solidify their authority in order to sell a solution to an impossible-to-solve problem. As a podcaster, I know that finding success as a podcaster is something no one can guarantee. There are a few technical things that one can do objectively well, a few production things as well, but when it comes to content catching on or not catching on, going viral, you could say, or not going viral, the intangible magic that makes that happen isn't arrived at consistently through any particular equation or series of steps. This podcast, by way of an example, is successful partly because it sounds good, partly because I write well, but mostly because I, for some reason, resonate with the people who listen to it. But one can't plan that resonance. I can only be who I am. And if that lands with people, then it does. But I can't make people like me or this content. That's the X factor of podcast success, or really any content creation success. People deciding that they like you and that they want to give you their time and attention. So when marketing gurus sell solutions to finding viral success in podcasting, I see them offering something impossible. Now, I know this might seem like a very roundabout way of getting to today's meditation, but it's how my brain is working this morning, so bear with me. Again, just to reiterate the meditation, because we may have drifted a bit from it, or it might seem that way 
to seek what is impossible is madness, and it is impossible that the bad should not do something of this kind. To seek what is impossible. So in this case, in the example I was giving, to seek a magic formula that results in success every time is madness. And it is impossible that the bad should not do something of this kind, or, made to fit my example, it is impossible that the vicious should not be endeavoring towards impossible things. What I experience on LinkedIn is a lot of people working to project the appearance of mastery where mastery either doesn't exist or isn't possible, thus establishing a sort of amazing authority, trading on that appearance and inevitably, unavoidably, failing to deliver the results true mastery would be capable of delivering. Where this is most vicious is in the careful wording of whatever promise is made, such as, I can show you the way, but ultimately your success is up to you. Well, my success is up to me with or without a guru. So why would I be paying a guru to tell me that? And like it or not, we, all of us, do this or at least have done it in the past. We are all trying to project an image of competence, confidence, and capability that we, usually privately, doubt we actually have. But we feel strongly that we mustn't admit to this lack of competency, confidence, or capability, lest we be seen as something less than perfect. This tension has resulted in, and I don't believe I'm exaggerating, the entirety of self-help content. And this is what I actually want to talk about today. The over-opinionated and underqualified self-help content and the risk such content poses to stoic precoptons. There we go. We're bringing it back to the meditation hour, back in stoicism zone. Everybody was probably like, where is Tanner going with this? When we believe in the achievement of impossible things, we become vulnerable. As an example, how many times have you heard that if you put something positive out into the universe, the universe will manifest your desires? Then, of course, when this fails, it's because you weren't putting it out there enough. Or, when it succeeds, it's proof that the universe can be manipulated by your positive thinking. And people listen to this kind of stuff because it's more fun to believe in the whimsy of such a silly idea than it is to buy into what this manifestation nonsense is all about, which is this. When you approach life, hopefully and positively, you're more likely to seem worthy of opportunity by others, and you're more likely to see opportunity where you wouldn't were you cranky, negative, or a big meanie face. But you can't sell a million books about manifesting, creating $100,000 coaching programs on self-actualization, and demand high-dollar speaking fees without a hook. At least, not as easily. It's not possible to manifest a new car, or a new life partner, or a new job simply by telling the universe you want those things. That's as absurd as thinking praying for a new bicycle will result in a new bicycle because God or the universe has heard your hopes, dreams, and prayers, and has taken time out of its busy schedule to fulfill your inane, self-centered wish. You don't bend the universe to your will, but you can do something like become water, which is something I believe Bruce Lee is famous for saying, or at least popularizing. When water is put into a teapot, it becomes the shape of the teapot, or something like that. You can use your rational faculties to navigate the bending that the universe is doing to itself, 
to endure your journey more easily and work towards a more preferable outcome in the end. What is impossible is the belief that you control anything to the extent that you can guarantee the exact outcome of anything, in particular anything you want. Whether that's you buying a self-help book because you think it knows how to make you the perfect version of you, or you selling a self-help book because you believe it can make other people perfect if only they actually read it, it's delusional. It's all a vicious way of understanding the dichotomy of control. Now, this isn't me saying that working towards the ideal isn't worthwhile. Consider our framing of the Stoic Sage, for example. Or that self-help literature cannot be useful in our journey towards understanding ourselves better. Or that marketing gurus on LinkedIn can't be helpful in your quest to become a better podcaster or content creator. I'm not saying that exactly. What I am saying is that to expect the attainment of perfection is to expect the impossible. And when you expect the impossible, you approach living poorly. If I approach life believing there was a secret mountain called Candy Mountain, Charlie, some of you will get that, and I just had to look for the clues to find it, and then when I found it, I would be granted three wishes, very little about how I lived my life would be particularly appropriate, because I've assented to an impression about the world that isn't real. I'm also saying that to believe you've identified the secret strategy to attaining the perfect success and that you can teach that to others, is to deceive yourself and to profit off the hope-driven gullibility of others. Now this has been a bit of a strange episode. Perhaps it's because it's my first day back to writing scripts, or perhaps because I've got a lot on my mind. But regardless of its strangeness, I want you to take this single thing away from it. Perfection isn't attainable. So if anyone is selling it, or if you think you've found it, Step outside of yourself, metaphorically of course, and reconsider. And yes, this includes the Stoic Sage, which I've said before I don't believe is actually real. Use the idea of perfection like you would the North Star as a navigator, understanding that yes, there is a North, but that North isn't a destination, it's a direction. And to attain North is impossible. But to head north is very much something you can do, and you should, if heading north is an analogy for ever improving your character and seeking that knowledge of virtue, which, in this case, it is. Thank you for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Remember, if you're Australian, head to stoicismpod.com forward slash Sydney to sign up for something special. And if you're not yet supporting this podcast, now is the best time to do that. You can find out more about why by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash support. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care. Take care.